Welcome to the Expat Empire Podcast, the podcast where you can hear from expats around the world and learn how you can join them. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today for the 17th episode of the Expat Empire Podcast. Before we jump into today's interview, I want to take this opportunity to give you a quick update on Expat Empire. Since the last podcast episode was released, we have posted the second part of the story of how my wife and I got our Portuguese visas in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic, and we held our fourth meetup event in Porto with the fifth event planned for September 9th. I have also appeared recently on the Moving Roadmap podcast, so be sure to check that out if you want to know more about my background moving to Japan, Germany, and Portugal. You can find links to all of those updates in our show notes. In addition, I have recently been receiving many consulting requests from individuals just like you who are looking to finally make the move abroad that they have been dreaming about as soon as the current situation gets a little clearer. It is never too soon to start planning for your next big life change, and, especially in this complicated time, it is best to be ready to take the plunge as soon as the window for international travel reopens because you never know when it will close again. Whether you are looking to make your first move abroad, transition into life as a digital nomad, or just want someone to talk to about your travel and moving dreams, we are ready to help you think about the next steps in your journey abroad. We are currently offering a limited number of free 30-minute consulting calls to help people just like you to jumpstart their moves abroad. So please contact us to book your time before it's too late and all the spots are taken. With that said, today we will be hearing from Jean-Michel and Catherine. Catherine is originally from Colombia and moved to France in 2011 for her graduate degree in psychology. While studying there, she met Jean-Michel, a local French IT engineer that had spent a few years studying in Karlsruhe, Germany. Together, they decided to leave Paris and move to Berlin to get a fresh start for the next phase of their lives. They have experienced many ups and downs as a multinational couple continually exploring new countries and cultures, and today they will be sharing their learnings and advice for living and loving abroad. Without further ado, let's start the conversation. Thanks so much to Jean-Michel and Catherine for joining us today on the Expat Empire podcast. Thanks to you for inviting us. Hello. <laughs> yes, this is actually the first episode where we were talking to two people at once. So it's going to be an interesting experiment for us, interesting experience. And uh, I think it'll be really cool to be able to get some different insights from each of you separately and then together since you've been now together as a couple for a while. So thanks so much for <laughs> giving this a try. <laughs> Thank you for letting us participate. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. If you could both tell me one after the other where you're originally from, where you've lived before, and where you're currently living, that'd be great. Yeah, Katerina, please start. <laughs> okay. I'm Katerina. I'm originally from Colombia, from a small city called Cartago. It's in the middle of the mountain, so no one knows. <laughs> and I studied psychology there in, in Colombia. I also work a bit like, like psychologist. And then I moved to France in 2011. I wanted to make a master degree there in France. So I just started making my French studies and then I went to the university. And I finally got my diploma last year in France. Congratulations. Thank you. After that, well, when I was in France, I met Jean-Michel and we came together here to Berlin. Yes. Great. What I should add is that uh, her mother was living in Paris since 10 years. She has been raised in Colombia by her grandmother while her mother was making money in Paris. 
And finally, in 2011, I think, yes, she had the chance to come to Paris. And she said immediately, like, yes, I I want to move out. (laughs) I want it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the place for you is what you thought. Yeah. I didn't know. I was like, I want to go out from my city. I want to know some other places. I wanted to travel. Actually, I always wanted to travel. But it was a bit difficult because uh, the situation in Colombia, when you live there, is not that good. Because uh, when you earn the money, it's not enough to go and travel and so on. So I always dream it about. So I say, I wanted to go there and there and then. And then when I got the chance to move, I didn't think twice. I was like, okay, what I need. And did you have another idea of a place that you want to move in mind or it was always France? I was uh, like, a, I wasn't thinking in a special place. I say, okay, maybe France would be easier because my mother. But if I had to choose, I would say I have three places I wanted to go really bad. Japan. <laughs> Japan was the first one. Iceland right. was the second one. And maybe for travel and being there for a while, it will be also Egypt. Have you been to all those places by now or you still have some on the list to go to? Egypt is in the list, but I already went to Japan and Iceland. Ah, I love it. Like she has done for 30 years to go to Japan and she went twice (laughs) to Japan last year for the first time. But twice in one year. Yes. Yes. Nice. What's your plan for this year? (laughs) Well, we're planning to go to Colombia and travel inside Colombia. Yeah, we're in Colombia in two weeks. Yeah. Ah, that's amazing. Well, I'm sure that'll be a great experience. Jean-Michel, have you actually been there before to Colombia? Uh, yes, I've been in Colombia maybe one year after we met, so I was uh, still living in Two Paris years at the time. Okay, <laughs> um, it's the first time I was in a foreign country, but I was, I was not like a tourist, you know. I was just uh, living uh, in a city in the countryside, and I was just with the family, we with normal people. I find the the experience really really wonderful. It was really interesting because this is a place where they basically see no tourists at all. So I was speaking Spanish, but sort of broken. You know, it's not like in London where, or in Berlin where you speak broken German and everybody is used to it. Like it was almost the first time they, they saw tourists speaking broken Spanish. And so I was saying a sentence and they were laughing, just laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Did you learn Spanish from Catalina or you uh, studied no. on your own? No, yeah. not so much. I started to learn Spanish one year before I met her, uh, just alone, uh, no course at all. The thing is, when we met, she was speaking really good French already. I was just beginning. So uh, French was one natural language. And then it was uh, really hard to change that. And I spoke Spanish with dozens of people a lot before I actually achieved to change our habits of speaking French together. Yeah, we speak French most of the time. And it's difficult to change the language. After you get right. to speak just one, because it's easier, because it's comfortable. So now we try yeah. to make up for schedules. So we yeah. have a week for French and weekends for Spanish. Yeah, we don't <laughs> in a context. Yeah. I think it was the key. Huh? It doesn't matter which context we have. Like One thing we did is when we walk out outside in the street, we speak Spanish, for example. One day of the week, we speak Spanish. But having a context where, where we know we will speak this language was... And really important because when there was difficulty for me to say something, I did not like switch back to the usual language. 
Right. So you actually create, forced yourself to try to, you know, stay in a single language in that given context. Yeah, and it's good yeah. that you give yourselves both opportunities to exercise your native tongue. So it's not always one way or the other. Yes. Yes. I'm in love in Spanish. So I was really looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. I, I spoke like how many? Seven languages now. And this is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> what are the others that you speak? So I actually started with German at school. I've been three years in Germany when I was a student. So when I came back to Berlin four years ago, I already spoke German. Mm -hmm. I simultaneously learned English and it was really a struggle for me. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was really funny because it was completely different uh, whether it was a spoken English or a written English. Mm -hmm. Because I'm working in IT, so I was reading uh, English all the time since 15 years, and it was really not a problem for me to write or read, but I was feeling completely stuck to, I did not dare to, to say one sentence, even the simple ones. I, I could not have a simple uh, conversation. Right. And this only changed recently. Well, good. <laughs> I'm thankful so you can join the podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, Katharine, how did you decide to actually take your diploma and study your degree in France? Actually, I wanted to do more than just being a psychologist and, and that. I wanted to really get deep into my studies because I really appreciate what we do, working with mm -hmm. people, all the things from the mental health is really important and the people don't realize how important it is because even if you're healthy, physically, but your mind is not well, you can do nothing. Right. So I say, okay, I want to learn more. I want to do more. And I wanted to work also, but I say, okay, what can I do? So I decide, like, at that moment, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do really with my studies. So I say, okay, let's just try in France what they have and maybe that can fit image of what I want to do. I started the university. I went for a master in organ in enterprise psychology, but it wasn't that. So I say, okay, it's not that. What is? So after that, I went for clinical psychology, but it wasn't that. She <laughs> <laughs> had a hard time to adjust because uh, the experience of university in France in Colombia was really different. Yes. It was much more practical in Colombia. Like they were actually starting do, doing things uh, while they were students. While in France, it was uh, really theoretical and they had to learn le a lot. And it was... Yeah, that was one of the points because at the beginning, I was used from the format of Colombia. So we have like a classes, normal classes, we learn all the theory, but we have also the practical. So we are just doing what we learn. And right. friends, it's a bit different because the first three years, you just go and learn and learn. And you need to learn everything word by word. And I wasn't used to that. And I also worked. I had experience. I found myself between all the students who never worked in the field, who never did something in the field. And I was like, okay, maybe this is not for me. <laughs> I was struggling with the university because I wasn't sure that was my place. Right. How did you decide exactly which university to go to, given all the opportunities in France? 
Uh, that was because I spoke with friends. I think the most important thing was each of my friends was struggling with something and they decide to do something different, like uh, changing the mind, changing the point of view, changing something. And I say, oh, and if it's not the university, what can I do? Where mm -hmm. can I learn about what I want to do? And actually, in one of those conversations, the word coach uh, start being present. And I say, oh, maybe coach. What's mm -hmm. that? So I start seeing in internet a lot of information. I start searching also, what was that? Uh, what can I do with that? And actually, it was more closer for the thing I wanted to do. And after I start checking where I can learn this coaching. To become a professional coach, yes. And at that point, we were already in Berlin. Yes. Ah, okay. She didn't feel secure to do that in German. She went back to, to study nine months in France. And she, she found a school uh, like 10 minutes of, uh, walking uh, from my mother, which was quite nice to, <laughs> to be able to live. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Yes. So the thing is, I discovered what I wanted to do here in Berlin. Even if I finished my studies there in France, it was so unreal. Because I, this thing... Learning what I wanted to do every day was I was in school. I say, oh, actually, that's the thing I want to do. This is the real thing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have this feeling when I was in the university. So yeah, I, it, can, it can take a while to figure that out, can't it? Exactly. And you need to find the right place for that. Yeah, and we have been with lots of experts, um, especially when they come from South America. One thing they are struggling with here is they have so much opportunity. When you're raised in Colombia, you don't have so much. You, you are really restricted to what you can do. But on the other hand, it makes choosing what you will do quite easy. Mm -hmm. Well, here, you have to reinvent yourself, basically. You can be anything, but then it means you have to choose and you are afraid to make a mistake. And she spent a while figuring that out. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, she found it. And yeah, it was last year. <laughs> nice. That's fantastic. So when you first moved to Paris, what was it like, yeah, in your first few months, did you have any major culture shocks or challenges that you had to overcome? Actually, the most difficult was the language. Because uh, in France, you need to speak French. They look at you and they say, I don't understand. Yeah, we, we, mm -hmm. are, we are quite mean. <laughs> I, I <have> to... <laughs> no, you don't have to speak, you have to speak well. Yeah, that's the thing. Even if I was trying to speak French, because I already studied a bit before moving, the people were like, I don't understand what are you saying. You know, it's a bit like in England, uh, depending on your accent, you, you, people have a feeling of which social class you belong to. Right. And, and for us, when you don't speak correctly, there's something like this. You know, you're you not educated, so it makes it really hard for foreigners. Yeah. But luckily, she found two great teachers which was two little girls from uh, what? Because at the beginning, I was doing the French course, of, because when you get there, mm -hmm. your first step is going to university or language school. And because that was in the morning, I had the afternoon. So I say, okay, I want to work. I was working uh, Nunu or babysitting. Or yeah, so. She was doing babysitting and yeah. she, she had two little girls. Mm -hmm. One was five and the other was six. <laughs> well, they were all the time with me and correcting me all the t also all the time. They were like, okay, no, 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 Katerina, you don't say it like that. 
Try it again. French people say, <laughs> repeat with me. Come, come, come. You can do it. But did you find in the end that you started to speak like young girls as opposed to an adult? <laughs> <laughs> well, they were super nice. So at the beginning, it was a bit surprising because we're five and six and they were teaching me stuff. So, uh, but it's well because now French is really incredible. Yeah, uh, I bet. Like sometimes I forget it's not a mother tongue, you know? We are so used to speak French, uh, like totally fluid. And then a friend from Venezuela or something comes and she starts to speak uh, Spanish all the time. And I have a moment, oh, hi. Oh, yes, of course. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine that must be a, an extremely high level of fluency. And once you achieved that, did you feel like people around you, whether in your university or in your daily life, were more understanding and were more willing to work with you and communicate with you now that you had a good high level of fluency? Yes. And there's a thing, it's not only happening with Jean-Michel, because we have also French friends here. And sometimes they because I ask something about the language, they say, oh, yeah, sure, I forget that you were not French. <laughs> That's one of the best compliments that you can hear as a second language learner. She will become French soon. Oh, do tell. Yeah, we are now doing all the paperwork for... Because we are married since four years now, and... She's about to become naturalized. Well, well, of congratulations. Course, of course, keeping a Colombian nationality because I like my Colombian wife. <laughs> right, right, makes sense. What exactly is involved in that process? Actually, you need uh, three things. You need to have a good level of French. Well, at least a good one. It means B one minimum. You need also to contribute to the French society. So doing something which French people or for the French people. Yeah, for example, the fact that we come back uh, very often to France and that her mother lives here and my family and so on, and that we are doing something for the French community in Berlin helps a lot. Yeah. And the third thing is I need to prove that we are married and we live together. And mm -hmm. it's quite easy. <laughs> I think that might be the easiest step. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's great. So now you're going to have essentially dual citizenship. So what does that allow you to do? Um, how does that change your life here in Germany now or in, within the EU rather? Well, for example, she wants to travel to Japan, like we said. And <laughs> yes, of course. She doesn't need a visa anymore. Yes. One thing is for traveling will be easier, but also because we live in Germany and it's European Union. So the things will be easier for me. Uh, mm -hmm. Because I want to work as freelance, I will have less problems, let's say. It would be easier also for me to make it real. Absolutely. I can see that myself with the work visa I have now, the EU blue card. It gives me some ability to live here and enjoy my life here. But at the same time, I have to think about where my next job is if I change jobs or, you know, yeah. it just doesn't give you that freedom and that peace of mind that you don't have to worry about those elements. We know exactly. that. Um, and this, like the French citizenship is uh, the last step of a long cycle she started in Paris. She was so much restricted with a, with a student visa. She could only uh, do shitty jobs. Actually, when you are a student here in, I don't know if it's in whole Europe, but I know in France, when you have the student visa, you are allowed to work only half time. So it restricts a lot what you can do after studies. And you cannot work in wherever you want to work. You need a student work. It's means right. working in restaurants, restaurants 
or doing babysitting or stuff like this. You are only allowed to do that. You, you are really restricted and then you have to renew each year and it's a lot of stress. It's like one month of, of yeah. preparation and you will never know, you never know when you will have a meeting, whether it will work and so on. So this was, this was a lot of frustration for her when she started in Paris. Then when she arrived in, in Germany. Mm -hmm. I came here with a spouse visa. Spouse? Yeah. Yeah, basically. Wife visa. Well, well, we married just before coming to Berlin because I, I was a European and I had work. For the first time, she had a, an easy visa and uh, for five years and she could do whatever she wanted. That must have been a nice feeling. Well, such a relief. Yeah, it was such a relief because it's the first time I'm not restricted in, about what I want to do or restricted by the time because I had five years. Do you ever consider going back to Colombia to pursue your career, given that you wouldn't have had those challenges and limitations with your visa there? Actually, no, mm -hmm. because I think I want to do more things before coming back. I want to have more experience, like professional experience, and I want to travel more, and I want even learn more languages. So I don't think I can do that in Colombia. Right. And how have you managed with German now that you're living in Germany? Has that been the next language that you've learned, or has it not been as important for you to get fluent in German? For me, I already spoke German uh, when I arrived here four years ago because I was a student for three years uh, in, West, in a little city in West Germany. Mm -hmm. Uh, what was strange is I, I could speak German, but I didn't use it so much actually because so much of my friends were speaking Spanish or English or, or French. Or French. <laughs> it was just one language among many. Sure. I work in IT and if you don't speak German, it's totally okay. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was different because at that time I only spoke Spanish and French. So yes. I came to Berlin and I was like, oh, uh, I need to speak either German or English. And I <laughs> those languages. So I was like, okay, I need to start or something. So I start with uh, English. That was my first step. So hold on, let me get that straight. You moved to Germany and your first step was to learn English. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Because for me, it was easier. Oh, Okay. Because I already understand some English. I could already read a bit, write a bit, but I could not speak. No, it was exactly what I said, but even worse. Like she could read and <laughs> she could read everything in English. Like I was giving her very complicated articles and she could understand very well, but she could not say even, I am, my name is Caterine. <laughs> like she, she, she was totally blocked. Yeah, I'm fascinated by language learning. And this is something I realized. It, yeah, we, we say we learn a language, but it's not right. Like, if you want to learn German, you should go to the university and, and, and learn about uh, Germanistics and so on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what we actually do is to, we do speak German. We don't learn, you know? So it's really more a psychological process where you know a bit of, of German, for example, and you feel vulnerable because there is so much more that you don't know. Mm -hmm. but uh, you have to open up and start speaking anyway and focus on the conversation. And if you do that, and if you speak every day, you will improve uh, really quickly. It sounds like you're both in agreement that maybe classes and studies at university are not the way to go, but rather whether it's uh, your five and six-year-old teachers or your friends and coworkers, that's the better conversation partner and the better way to learn. But they're conversations partner. If you want to learn grammar and you mm -hmm. want to like 
if you, you understand the language, if you want to polish, you go, you go to a course. For example, I speak fluent uh, Spanish, but I always mixed uh, when I conjugate a verb in the past. And this is a kind of, of things you, you, you learn in school. But on the other hand, I mean, like, I have dozens of friends. I learn a lot of things from them. And yeah, basically the goal will, will be to make friends. Mm-hmm. Once you can make a friends in the language you want to learn, uh, things uh, get started. And Jean-Michel, I was actually curious a bit about your upbringing and background. So you talked about it a bit earlier, but what made you get an interest in working abroad and seeing more of the world? Did you have some early travel experiences that showed you how interesting maybe other parts of the world were, or, or how did you develop that interest? So I moved two times abroad. Um, as a student, I was in an engineer school, and I was quite bored, and I wanted to do something new. Um, this was 2003, and there I spent three years in um, Karlsruhe, in a city in West Germany. For me, it was a shock because it's not so much that I was in Germany, but in the university, I was with uh, students from all over Europe. And when you go up in a nation, there is a lot of truths that everybody accepts. Mm-hmm. It was a real shock, like whatever I thought was correct, evidently correct. And there was always someone we we thought exactly the contrary. And this was a really formative experience for me. And the second time we moved was completely different. We were both in Paris and we felt completely stuck. Things were not going well at the University for Caterine. We had troubles finding an apartment in Paris. I was in an apartment since uh, quite a few years because I had, be, I had been seeing I had mental, uh, mental health issues for a number mm-hmm. of years. So what we need is, is a fresh start. So for you, this presented an opportunity to move abroad, you know, get a clean slate and try something totally different. Yes. Uh, forget everything that was frustrating me and start again. And as it was the first time we, we actually lived together. Oh, okay. So you hadn't lived together before in France? No, because uh, finding an apartment in Paris is almost impossible. So he could find a place for almost a year, but it was shared with the owner. So each one has um, had the room. But the thing is, the owner was a bit uh, he was weird. weird. He was super weird. <laughs> <laughs> and you had not luck for the door. So people were going in and out from uh, the Jamisha's room. That sounds very uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> so she stayed with her mother. And I, think she was I was staying with my mother and Jamisha's from between days. So we mm-hmm. never leave it together, really. Yeah, that's difficult to not have that experience, especially, you know, as you're approaching. At that point, I guess you had already uh, married before you moved to Berlin, right? No, no. We, we decided to marry at part as a part of this. Okay, I see. Yes. Yeah, because we check how it works for me if I wanted to move to Germany. And the thing is, because I had a, a student visa, I needed to go back to Colombia and ask for a new visa for Germany. So we say, no, it's too complicated. And maybe I cannot have the visa because I don't know if I will continue the university, I will do language school, or what can I do? So right. it's yeah. better to be sure like I can move easily. So yeah, we decide to. So much unknown. This was one less. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. And I, I think it's a great reason to decide to move forward with it as well. Yeah. Yes. So we did like. Um... I, w- I was terrified, I have to, to admit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's okay. I'm, I'm in the same boat, man. We're yeah. about, my fiance and I are about to get married in May. So. <laughs> Whoa, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And it's in Japan as well. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> I totally understand where you're coming from. So. so I was terrified for this. I was terrified because my family thought it was a terrible idea. Like Berlin was so far from Paris. Yeah. One hour and a half. I had to restart my career. I had no idea what Katerina could do here. She didn't speak English or German. Mm-hmm. So we took the decision to go to Berlin really quick, like almost overnight. And then I spent one month agonizing. Do we really want to do that? Like it sounds. Yeah. So the best thing we could do at that moment for, was just taking plane tickets for two months. Yes. Okay. Let's just go for two months. Let's try. Let's see if it works. We come back, we get married and we go again to Berlin. If it doesn't work, we can try another thing here in Paris or we are. That is why we, we dare to do it because we say, let's do a test. Okay. We go for Berlin only for three months. And in three months, we, we will have enough information whether I can restart my career here, whether it works for us as a couple, whether we can find an apartment. And if in three months we are exactly at the same point as we were here, well, don't worry, we just come back to Paris. So this was really useful to forget the pressure on us. Yep. Yeah, I can imagine. It makes a lot of sense. Yes. It just happened that this, everything worked for us really right worked, from yeah. the beginning. It was incredible. So you mentioned that in Paris, it's very difficult to find an apartment. And now you're looking in Berlin, another place that a lot of people complain about finding apartments. So how was it experienced similar or different in the two cities? For us, it was relatively okay in Berlin, but it was four years ago. And I think it has gotten worse. Yeah. But I actually helped a friend recently to find an apartment in Berlin. And I used tricks that works in Paris. And <laughs> and it also worked in Berlin. My friend was struggling since three months. And with my tips, if if I one quite quickly. What are those tips, if you don't mind my asking? Yes. So uh, what I said is um, finding an apartment, you you don't have to be the best. You have to be the first. What is really important is to be real quick. So you, you have to be available, uh, let's say, one week full time. And then you always think, uh, what is the fastest way I can reach? And for example, one thing that was frustrating my friend is that he was going to a, an appointment with 40 other people. Wow. And you, you shouldn't do that. It's just a waste of time. Like your time is valuable. You should not, never get to an appointment with 40 people. Right. One thing I said is uh, you can call the owner and you ask for an appointment. When he gives you, you refuse immediately. And you ask okay. for one earlier. Because mm. if it's an appointment for a group... Of course, you will say, no, it's not possible. So at least you will not waste your time by going an apartment with a group of 40 people. So basically, you try to get in before the 40 people. Yes. That's very smart. I think that's actually a great tip, and I haven't heard that before. So in the future, I might have to take advantage of it. <laughs> yeah. Like my general tip was to you have to think like a salesman. I'm not a salesman at all, but sometimes in life, you have no choice. Um, this is what a salesman will do, you know? You will not follow an offer that 40 people have, have already have been already looking for until it will always try to call you first and so on. Right. That makes sense. Yes. So why did you decide to move to Berlin or even Germany in general when you're coming from France? Why not another country in the EU or even outside into Asia or, or South America, anywhere else? Actually, it was a joke at the beginning. 
<laughs> because um, Jean Michel was looking for an apartment and he got this appointment with four people in Paris. <laughs> he went there. The apartment was really, really bad in a bad neighborhood. They were asking for a lot of money. They were like the line was huge. And he just called me and said, I'm so frustrated because I cannot find anything. And this was really bad. Uh, this is, it's a bad idea. And so... Let's just go to Germany where I've been in, as a student. It was really nice. And he just sent me a picture saying, with the same money that you have like 20 meters in Paris, you have double or triple in Berlin. So I just said, <laughs> okay, let's go. And I was totally <laughs> not expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> and subsequently you had a month of thinking about if you're serious or not exactly, yeah, exactly. after we start talking and say okay yeah it's not a bad idea actually berlin can be good yeah, yeah but this but that yeah no i don't know and we start thinking about like for, for a while and after we decide to get the tickets so you got the tickets and you decided to come over for three months what was your game plan in terms of finding or getting set up here, I guess, finding a job, maybe an apartment, but whatever. What was your plan exactly? Uh, the plan was to go there and find from here. And I was just lucky. I was in contact with one recruiter and he called me the day after I, I arrived. And I had a meeting for two days after and I was accepted on the spot. And I started working next week. So it was incredible for me. Of course, I mean, I work in IT, so retrospectively it looks easy, but like at the time I was struggling with unemployment in Paris since two years because I had so much, uh, health issues and so on. And mm -hmm. yeah, this, but here it just worked. This was great. And then we, uh, and we had at the beginning only one week in Airbnb and we say, okay, let's just try to find something really quickly. So I don't know how <laughs> we got uh, an apartment a bit outside from Berlin. Yeah, in five days, maybe. Yeah, we got us in five days. <laughs> That's a shocking story. The quickest turnaround I've ever heard. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. So partly this is a lot of luck. Also, it was because of this fresh start effect. Like, I had totally forgotten my frustration that I had in Paris. And during the job interview, I had so much more charisma and so on. So what kind of cultural differences do you see between France and Germany? Clearly, it was a better fit for you, I guess, here in Germany, at least for the time being. But how, how would you define those differences? For me, the most important part was uh, the working culture. I think it, it was insane uh, in France, in the company where I was. And in Germany, they are much more sane. Mm. Like, <laughs> they, uh, like, was it working hours or was it management style? How would you describe it? I will describe like when they have a problems, you can actually talk about it and solve the problems. Mm, All companies I've been with uh, have problems, but some just keep them. And those places are horrible. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And no country is absent of companies that have these problems. <laughs> but it's always better if people can talk about them. And as you mentioned, definitely that's a cultural yeah. uh, element. So That's crucial. And here in Germany, when you don't feel right at work, you can just... Uh, sick or, or you, you just say I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling bad and I especially in my current job where I work remotely when I feel bad I, I just said okay I cannot work today and it's okay I say okay take care are you able to work remotely simply like in terms of just working from home but it's a Berlin office or is it actually based somewhere else the office 
no, we, we are a completely remote company. We are like seven, ten people and some, nice. are, some are in the US, some are here. And how has the experience been to work remotely for you? Oh, it's at the same time great and awful. <laughs> it's a lot of work to make it work. And the nice point is you have so much flexibility. Like, you, like I said, if you don't feel right, you can just uh, go out and work uh, one hour on export or whatever. I can go on vacation whenever I, I want to. Exactly. Yeah. What is hard is that you have to communicate uh, three times more because you are lacking the informal communication that you have if you are in an office. Right. Also, what I've been struggling with is this time zone difference because some of my colleagues are in the US. Um, yeah, that is a challenge. Yeah, this is quite hard. So you have to organize yourself a lot. Right. And so it sounds like you had a three-month plan to see how it went and it somehow worked out in basically one week or less. Yes. Yeah. And then you decided to stay. So what was the experience like for Katharine to get set up in Berlin? At the beginning, I was totally lost because I could not speak. I could not communicate um, because I thought like for Jean-Michel, it would take a bit longer to find something. And you, he just started working the next week. Oh, it was too fast. <laughs> it was <amazing. laughs> So I found myself alone. And mm. I was okay. What can I do? I cannot speak. I cannot communicate. I cannot do. I can do nothing here. So I thought, okay, but this is a new start. So I have to try new things. So I start learning some English, and at the same moment, I say, okay, because I want to do also something professional in the future. I need to know where I have to start. And Berlin, they have some office, like welcome office, where they speak also your language and they explain how it works for your diploma and what you can do here. So I took an appointment with someone who speaks Spanish and he explained me, okay, yes, in Germany, the university level is this and your level is that. So you can do this and this. You have this level also. And I was like, oh. So, so surprised because I couldn't, I was not expecting to have, uh, like, um, this. She was a lot to work, like, with, yeah. Yeah. I, I had the same level, if we can say, uh, for the Germans. So mm -hmm. I was a psychologist here. Oh, wow. And I wasn't in France. Well, can, that's an amazing piece of news to get. Yes. But I think they make it really clear. I can work I can, uh, like a psychologist, but I cannot do therapy because it's a different thing. And I said, okay, yes, that's, that's okay. <laughs> At <laughs> right. least I know I can do something. But now my next challenge is the language. Because if, even if I, have, if I have the diploma, I can do nothing because I only speak Spanish and French. So I need to start with the language. So that's why... Uh, that's what my next goal. Yes. Yep. That makes sense. And then you're trying to also move now more into doing the coaching work. Is that right? Yes. We both have, like, especially him and me as well, we both have um, two experience of moving abroad. And it, it's so much a challenge on so much levels. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, I mean, you should not try to do that alone. You will waste a lot of time like we did. And 
we want to use our experience and help people do it quicker and yeah, not stay stuck for so long. Uh, do you have any main pieces of advice in general for people looking to move abroad, whether that's in Germany or France or elsewhere? Yeah, I always say like try to speak with people who are already living there because they know how the things are. Because when you're in your country and you start looking, ah, yes, I want to do this or that, ah, maybe that's this, you're not having the whole idea and you're not seeing everything, how the things happen. You don't know really what's going on there. So it's better to have the information really from the people who who are already there. Mm -hmm. And how do you recommend that people get that information? Is there a good... Uh, resource or, uh, you know, do you say go to Facebook groups or actually yeah. reach out to somebody on the ground, like a, a lawyer or somebody like yourself? How do you recommend? So, for example, we have been organizing meetups uh, for French-speaking people. Um, this has been great. We have met so much friends this way. Well, I will say, like, um, if you're not living there, you can do it by Facebook, like trying to find groups because I saw there is a lot of uh, Spanish groups here in Berlin and you can just ask, okay, uh, I want to know about this and that. and maybe Or maybe try to get, get in touch from people who are already here. LinkedIn is also a good idea if you want to make like professional contacts. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And you have to take care of yourself as well because yes. when you move, you have expectation and... Then you're confronted with some reality that is quite different. And so you have so much practical problems that you spend time to solve. And then you forget why you wanted to move here in the first place. <laughs> this is so true. Yeah. Because yeah. in a one way, obviously, everyone knows that it's not always going to be amazing and perfect. But at the same time, you have some really high expectations because you moved there and that maybe was your goal or your dream. And yeah. then the reality is always a little harsher than you were thinking. Exactly. Yeah, they Honeymoon phase and <laughs> right. <laughs> Not everyone can find a job in three days. So yes, yes. I will say as well, it's a topic we don't speak enough. But you, you know, take care of your mental health as well. Mm-hmm. For our current project, we have been to the embassy of uh, Colombia and Mexico and so on, and they have a ton of information because uh, this is something people don't speak about. But you will be lost when you move abroad. And you, one of the things is you will be alone also. You will be alone. There will be a time you will, don't, you, will, you will not know what you will do. You right. will not know who you are. And even if you come le- like us, like a couple, you will be also alone at some point because you are two people doing different things. So if you don't take care of yourself, no one will do it. No one right. will know what's happening with you. What was it like for you, Katrine, moving first to France by yourself and then to Germany as a couple? Did, what was the experience like and how was it different from, uh, you know, comparing really being sort of alone, alone <laughs> versus actually having someone with you and being alone only at certain points? Well, actually, I wasn't that alone <laughs> in France mm-hmm. because I went to my mother's. Right. But she was working the whole day and she already had her, her life. So I was... Um, and I was alone at the same time because even if I was sharing the place with my mother, she wasn't with me. 
So the beginning, it was super nice because I was discovering. I was so excited because I was in Paris and everyone wants to be in Paris. So it's nice. It's beautiful. It's new. But after a while, when you get used to be there and you start struggling with stuff, it gets hard. So that's why it's nice to talk with the people what's happening. Mm -hmm. And now that you've moved to Germany as a married couple, how was that uh, similar or different? Did you feel like at least you had someone, you know, to back you up <laughs> and maybe that was more comfortable that way? Or did you find that the stresses of moving made that maybe more challenging for the relationship as well? It was easy because Jean-Michel had a job, so we have not worries about money. And because we found an apartment, so okay, we can live in here. But at the same time, it was super difficult because we start living together and we not only have like the couple's problems, we have like different nationalities, war, well, couple war problems. Yes. Right. So it was. But, but actually, on the other hand, this is a great reason to move. If you have a binational couples. Yes. You know, when we were in France, I was like uh, the French guy and she was like uh, the guest. And here we are, we are both foreigners and I, I really enjoy this. This is really a nice place to be. We are equal. Yeah, it's a neutral place. Yes. Good stuff. In general, what's your plan looking like for the next few years? Do you think that you'll stick around in Germany, maybe try a new location in the near future? We stay. <laughs> we stay. No, we really like our life here. We have tons of friends uh, we uh, even have a dog, so... Ah, well, then you must be staying. <laughs> yeah. It's a great city for dogs. Yes. Yes. My job is going well. She's the jo she's launching her own uh, now business I'm, as well. Yeah. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, because I wanted to mix this psychologist and coach things with my experience as expat. I say, okay, I can do something for helping the people to get integrated in here in Berlin because I already know how it's to come here. What are the things you get worried about or how is the process? So I can help those people to get easier inside the life in Berlin. Mm -hmm. I will not do it for them, but I can be with them in this whole process because the most difficult thing is because you're alone or you feel lonely, you cannot do the things. Even if you have the idea, even if you have the energy, because you are alone and you don't know where to start or what to do, right. you do nothing. So right. I want to help those people because I didn't care. How can people that are interested find out more about it? What's your website or social media? Uh, my website is expats Berlin. 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 Mm -hmm. So uh, dot, dot .de for all the English speakers. Yes, <laughs> yes thank you. <laughs> .de. There we go. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, That's fantastic. Yes. And yeah, we want to organize meetups like on topics. For example, I'm, I'm super passionate about learn, uh, learning language. Uh, so we could do a, um, a meetup on that. We can do also like workshops because sometimes they have, people has like a one team in the one work and the one day is a lot of people wanted to do that well we can do all together we yeah, can we, work all yeah. together 
Yeah, we can learn from each other. Yes. We, we don't have all the answers, but uh, it's all about it's about the teamwork, right? Yes. Yeah. We can do like the coaching one to one, and we can do the workshops, and we can do the meetups. So we have a lot of ideas. Thank you guys so much for all your insights and telling us just about your stories and starting in Colombia and being in France, getting together and now being here in Germany. It's an amazing yeah. adventure and we look forward to hearing about your updates in the coming months. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks to Jean-Michel and Catherine for sharing their story with us. You can find Jean-Michel on LinkedIn on his website, jmfayard.dev, and on dev.to. You can also find Katharine on LinkedIn and Expats Berlin, which is expatsberlin.de. Please check the show notes or the full transcript of the episode on expatempire.com to find all of their contact information. Music on this episode was produced by Eli Hermit. Please check him out on Bandcamp and Spotify. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a minute to give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps new listeners find us and lets us know that we are putting out content that you appreciate. If you know anyone that might enjoy this podcast, please tell them about it so that we can continue growing the global expat empire community. Keep up to date on the new Expat Empire podcast episodes by pressing the subscribe button in the podcasting app of your choice. You can also visit expatempire.com and sign up for the newsletter to get notified about new podcast episodes and receive a ton of free expat-related content. We are also on Facebook and Instagram at Expat Empire, so be sure to follow us there. We are currently offering a free 30-minute consulting call to discuss your relocation plans and how Expat Empire can help you to achieve them. Please visit our website, expatempire.com, to schedule your call today. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode in the coming weeks.